the Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. This is the Unruffle Podcast, Episode 19. This is a podcast about recovery through creativity. We live an intentional life. We thrive. I am Sandra Primo. And I'm Tammy Salas. And we are The Unruffled. Good morning, Sandra. Uh, I am good. I, I woke up to a very quiet house. For the last ten days, um, and so it's it, a stark difference. <laughs> it's totally different. There's not male bodies flung all around my small two-bedroom, one-bath, 900-square-foot house. Yeah, we we made it work. <laughs> but um, yeah, I woke up early and just was like, oh, you know, I'm just such a creature of habit in the morning. So it was. It's a, a nice start to the day. How's your, how are you doing? I'm good. My house was also quiet this morning, so quiet that I slept until 8.30, which is crazy. <laughs> but uh, in my defense, it was raining, A. B, my daughter left for sweep, sleepaway camp um, for a week. She left yesterday. So, and my husband was already at work. So, and my son can, you know, sleep like a champ. He's a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, so I also woke up to a very quiet house well, slept in a very quiet house. Uh, you know, it was raining. <laughs> what can I say? But I haven't been sleeping well the last week. I've had a lot of um, anxiety, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it's been waking me up a lot. Um, I had my last sewing camp last week. And so there was a lot of that probably in, you know, making sure I was prepared every day and you know, if I have a, if I have to hit the ground running early in the morning, sometimes I won't, you know, I just, I'll toss and turn. And, um, and then, uh, we're taking a big trip next week. Let's and, talk about that. Yeah. We're taking a big trip next week. And then my daughter's going, you know, went away, like I said, for her very first sleepaway camp. So I've had a lot of anxiety. So anyway, at, I slept until eight thirty, and, Wow, I needed it. I feel good. I feel real good. Good. Well, sleep is one of your tools. Like you need, we all I need do. it, right? And I, mean, I forget but big time. how, you know, I, I mean, I do not take it for granted, but the last few days, it's like my brain's not working very well. I'm forgetful, forgetful. And then last night, um, you know, because she had left and, uh, Man, I just wanted to, so sometimes I describe it like there's an itch. I have, I feel an itch that you can't figure out where to scratch it, you know, that feeling. Mm -hmm. And, oh, I used to take care of that feeling with alcohol. And um, I was having that feeling a lot yesterday. And not that I wanted to drink, but I certainly wanted to change the way I felt. And I couldn't get, I couldn't get comfortable. And, um, you know, I, I let myself be sad. I, I 
tried to be still in certain pockets of the day. I tried all the things um, until finally I just said, screw it. I need to just sit my butt down on the couch and watch a Netflix movie and, and, you know, get out of my head. Did it help? And so that's what, oh yeah, yeah, it did help. I watched the movie Lion. It's so good. It's on Netflix. It's Lion. I gotta write that down. Yeah. Oof. It's, it's really good. Um, it's a, actually about being a mom and, oh. uh, yeah, which I really didn't, I kind of had heard about the movie, um, sort of the storyline, but it's, it's a, it's a, about being a mom. Um, and it's really good and it did the trick. And so, and then I just slept, I slept excellent, but I had drinking dreams this morning. <laughs> so Holy cow, Sandra. I know. Okay. I did. You've got a and lot they, going on weren't, there. They weren't, um, I didn't wake up in a fit, you know, they weren't anxiety producing. They were just like, Oh, I'm a drinker now. I drink now. And yeah. yeah. I'm shaking my head now, right now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Cause I know. I know those can be unsettling though. Right. But it makes sense, you know, yeah. because that's, I, I'm telling you yet yeah, all day yesterday, I was just feeling this, Oh, where's that itch? Where is it? I can't reach it. I can't scratch it. And, um, nothing, you know, nothing worked until I just watched a movie and got out of my head. Anyway, did you, did you, I'm curious. So when this happens, cause you know, this happens to me, I think it happens to a lot of people in recovery, I would imagine. Do I don't remember the toolbox right off the bat. I no. kind of start, you know, like scrambling, trying to do things like you're doing it automatically, um, out of intuition a little bit, like you're trying. And then after like two or three attempts at something, I'll go, Oh, toolbox, toolbox, go get essential mm-hmm. oils, go take a scalding hot shower, go, I'll, I'll kick into it. But it takes me a little bit of a curve, which is, I think when a lot of the anxiety or the wonkiness is, is happening right until do you get it right off the bat or do you um, or do you access well, those things right off the bat I guess not but what I figured out and what I figure out pretty quickly is what doesn't work you mm-hmm. know I mean sometimes I'll I'll be on autopilot and I'll think I just need to go busy myself like I need to go out to my studio but it that does not work that mm. does not work for me um so that part that I forget, mm-hmm. like, no, I don't need to busy myself. I just need to be still. Yeah. And, um, that actually works so much better than, than, you know, trying to ignore it or busy myself. Yeah. It's interesting. This, um, I was just thinking about kind of the tools, like what you just said, like the things that you do, um, last week, um, when I went whitewater rafting and I fell out of the raft, um, there were certain set of things that I had to do that, that remember, that reminded me of what I do in recovery. You know, when they told you like, don't panic. Right. And then mm-hmm. kind of accept the situation and then mm-hmm. you have to kind of surrender to it and let go. Right. And then you have to literally go with the flow of the river totally, and keep yourself buoyed up. Yeah. yeah. And you have to be willing to ask for help. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was like all these things that were, coming like flashing around my mind quickly, but because I do them so much, um, in my own recovery, like when I was listening to him do the safety talk at the beginning of the trip, I was mainly listening so intently because I had 
other people's children with me and I mm-hmm. wanted to keep them safe. So I was like listening more than I probably would have listened to a safety talk. I, I know that sounds bad, but I'm like, don't tell me what to do, even if it's going to save me. Um, <laughs> you know, I just still have that mentality. But I was listening so intently and they said, if you panic, we may not be able to rescue you right away because you'll put everybody else in jeopardy. Mm, and right, I was like, true. okay. So as soon as I fell in, I did start to panic. And then immediately my body, I'm like, st- I just had to say a mantra like, keep calm, keep calm, keep calm. And when I got out of the boat, finally, when they rescued me and I just started sobbing, all of the metaphors of recovery were just like flying at me. And I think it's like these situations. I mean, that's what I kind of likened it to. Like when we're feeling, um, when we're feeling like like you said, like you have an itch, you can't scratch, um, or we're feeling unsettled or we have a drinking dream or for me, if I'm at a party where everybody's over drinking, um, if I kind of go through that whole thing, like, okay, I'm just, I'm fearful of the environment. I need to accept this. I need to surrender. I need to, you know, by asking for help could be just like, can you take me home? Like I'm done. Anyhow, I'm going off here, but just the, the tools, I think I forget about them. And I'm really surprised that I remembered them in that situation, but, but really not because we keep, we practice these things every day, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that you can, um, I don't know, by identifying, by identifying the itch, like you said, it wasn't like that you wanted a drink. You just kind of had those feelings. I don't know. Sometimes I would go into the pity party of like, why do I still want to drink? Or why do I, Mm-mm. why am I counting no. other people's drinks? You know, well, I don't stay there. Well, because I mean, the reason why I still sometimes think about drinking as a solution is because it was the solution for mm. 25 years. So that's a long yeah. time yeah. to uh, choose one thing as your solution. And it's only been three years practicing uh, other things, you know, choosing other things, rerouting those patterns in my head you know, finding new coping skills, things that work. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's, that's not a lot, a lot of time yet. So you're right. It's not surprising that, you know, I had that drinking dream last night because that's what did work for a long time, you know, Yeah. at least it would immediately change the way I felt not for the better, but it would. (laughs) Yeah. It's, and it's interesting what we hold in our body too. Like the, like you said, going out to your studio, that, that used to be a place where you could go and, and drink, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So going out there to busy yourself, it's almost like I would think you'd be more agitated. And obviously right. you said like, this isn't working. Like you, you go do that first, but you're like, nope, that's not it's it. A mu- uh, yeah. It's a muscle memory sh- for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it is. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, okay. that's, that's, uh, that was my evening, <laughs> <laughs> but I feel good this morning. So good. And, go. you, and your little one's gone for a week. <laughs> She's gone for a week. Mm. So, which is good because, um, I'm going, we're going on a big trip next week. So I'll have, um, lots of time to prepare us for our trip this week. Um, and so I will, I will be grateful for it. Do you want to talk about your trip or you want to save that for another time? 
maybe I'll save it for the end okay. because right. I think it's going to be one of my toolbox mm -hmm. items. Okay. Um, so do I wanted to just mention, I think we have like a whole seven reviews on iTunes or seven <laughs> ratings. So if anybody uh -huh. has the time, um, and they want to go over there and leave a, leave a nice comment if you have one, um, or leave a constructive or comment too. Yeah. Whatever we would, we would take it all. And, um, over on iTunes, we'd really appreciate it. And what else? What else? Oh, I am having a, um, so I have a marketplace on my website at theannruffle.com. I think it's back slash marketplace, but there's a tab on there if you go. And uh, I'm putting some of my clothing items on sale. And the reason why I mentioned this, I'm not trying to hustle per se, but, you know, we, um, it takes a lot of time to put this podcast together. We don't you know, we don't have a Patreon at this moment. We don't have sponsors. We just, um, you know, make it all work. There's some expense, especially if you, if time equals expense. Um, it does. So, you know, <laughs> but then I also, I am, uh, uh, creativity. I'm a creative as, as my job as well. So anyway, I'm not saying that by buying something from my marketplace, you're helping produce this podcast, but in a sense you are, in a sense you are, and I'm having a big sale right now and, um, I'm just trying to, it's kind of end of the summer sale, just trying to whittle things down and I'm going to add some more things to it too, that will, should still be up unless they're bought between, uh, now and when this podcast airs. Um, but anyway, yeah, if you want to support um, this podcast, go over and buy something <laughs> and support you as a working artist. And support me as a working artist. See, that's the part I have, I have a hard time saying, but it's true. No, it's absolutely it. true. And I want to, I hope we can talk about this on a future episode because, um, you have inspired me. Um, I got the book from Jen, is it C Sincero? Sincero. Sincero. You Thank it. you. Mm -hmm. How to be mm -hmm. a badass at making money. And that's on my nightstand because um, you had recommended that and a few other people had recommended that. And I also think by, I, I, I added some new paintings to my marketplace too on my website, inspired by you um, at TammySolace.com. And same thing, there's a there's a tab for the marketplace. But um, a friend had asked me, they're like, I can't believe you're selling your paintings. Don't you want to keep them? And I'm like, no, I, I really, no. I mean, I love them while I'm making them. They serve a purpose. They help me work through feelings, emotions, um, all of it. But I know that if I don't sell that work, I'm not going to make any more. Yeah. Well, and it just, there's something about the validation as an artist mm -hmm. too and, um, and feeling uh, worthy, you know, mm -hmm. that you, that, that, you know, you, you deserve the money that you make for the hard work and the creative work that you put into the piece. I, I recently answered um, a little questionnaire about how much time I work um, in a week. And I have a hard time quantifying that. So I didn't think about the podcast and I didn't think about my lists or engaging on social media or painting or my school and none of it. It was like, oh, I don't really work. 
I started laughing. I was like, that's so not true. What are you doing all those hours? That is not true at all. I am working actually almost all the time I am working when I am awake. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and caring for my home and my family and all of that, that is work, you know? So I was thinking, oh, yeah. why do I, but, you know, just to talk about creative work, I was like, I spend a great amount of time over these last four years, actually, since 2014, cultivating these practices. And now they're like culminating to where I can put it together and feel confident enough to sell it on my website. So it may look like I just started doing that, but actually, no, (laughs) it's been Mm -hmm. a practice for a long, it's a long time coming. So I have new paintings up there. It's my full circle series is what I'm going to call it. The paintings are all going to be different, um, but they will have um, an element of a circle in all of them. And, um, that's symbolic to me for how far I've come in my recovery, in my life, where, you know, how I used to be creative when I was younger and how I've come back to that. So there's a lot of symbolism in it, but anyhow, they're going to be up there. I think there'll be five up there by, by the time this airs. So, um, yeah, I think that's all. Should we actually get into the show or do you want to just keep talking? (laughs) Cause I could do this all day. We We do have a topic today. I'm gonna let you introduce it cause you came up with a good idea. Uh Okay. Well, we're today we're going to talk about friendships, um, what they looked like before um, we quit drinking, and how they have changed. And just a big spoiler alert! Uh, a spoiler alert! If you are are in the beginning stages of sobriety and you are worried about how your friendships and relationships may change, they will, they will <laughs> definitely change. Um, it doesn't always have to be a negative thing though, either. Um, but they will definitely change. Yeah. Yeah. I was, so to be quite honest, I was a little nervous to talk about this topic. Um, cause I think I've put some of these things on a shelf a little bit. I've not <laughs> examined, you know, people I was friends with before that were really, really close friends, and they're not so much now. Um, That's something I need to examine and think about a little bit more. But I'm going to work really hard during this episode, um, you know, to not to focus on my part in the friendship and not to call anyone out, of course, or take their inventory, as you reminded me, and really uh, try to just stay on my side of the street with this conversation. Yeah, which, I mean, uh, you know, I, last summer, I read um, two books about friendship, and one was um, Let's Let's Take the Long Way Home by um, Gail Caldwell, and um, another book I read uh, about, uh, another well-known book about friendship, Truth and Beauty, um, by Ann Patchett. And, um, they were both, they're both such good books about friendship. And, um, I finished them really forlorn, um, almost feeling that I didn't know if I ever had a friend like that, or Mm. if I, um, am that kind of friend, or if I ever knew how to be that kind of friend. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, it's definitely, uh, that's definitely on me, you know? 
Yeah. And those are the things that I can work on now in sobriety um, because I am not uh, constantly thinking about consumed with with drinking. <laughs> I mean, you know, to put it just simply. Well, I, I was thinking about, I, I read, um, I have to say, I didn't finish uh, the book by Ann Patchett, um, The Truth and Beauty, uh, because I was reading that around the time that my best friend was dying, actually. Oh, yeah, and, um, too much, I think. And it had been recommended to me a few times. And so I was reading that in January, the month before she passed away. And I had a hard time reading it because in that book, they were so honest with each other. Oh, yeah. I mean, I loved it so much. I mean, I could visualize the, the I could visualize where they lived in Ohio. I could visualize when they were going to the writing workshops. and mm-hmm. But their letters to one another and how honest they were. And it made me think, like, ha- have I been honest with my friend of 28 years mm-hmm. in I mean, that I way? I think that's what I was talking Yeah, I think that's what I was referring to. It's like, yeah. I don't know if I've ever been that kind of a friend or had a friendship like that. I think, for me, I, I think... I thought about it a lot since I had her children for these last 10 days and her husband was here and, you know, we, we did a lot of things for her. It made me think about her a lot. And, um, I'm just telling my side of this, of course, but I was afraid of always, um, pissing her off or hurting her feelings. And so I, I didn't, I wasn't as open or honest in some situations because I made the decision for her like, Oh, she wouldn't want to hear this or she doesn't like that. I do right. that, and I do that a lot. Totally. Possibly. Yeah, yeah. And she, she underestimated her and under, underestimated your friendship probably. Yeah, and I think about that a lot, especially since she's gone now and I can't talk to her about that. You mm-hmm. know, I did make amends to her last October that I'm really grateful for that she accepted. Um so I don't know. I I think those friendships that you've just talked about in those books like I had a beautiful friendship. Mm-hmm. I just know that in sobriety, I could have been a much better friend. Oh yeah, see, I, 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 um, I agree. I mean, the friendships that I've had the longest, I mean, there have, yeah, they're still there. You know, it's not like they have disseminated. Um, and I love them dearly. I love those in each of those individual um, women that I'm thinking of right now. I love them dearly. Um, and you know, we've had some fun, (laughs) right? (laughs) And a lot of that involved alcohol, you know, I I mean, that's, that's the truth. And that's part of, part of my, part of the story. And, you know, to deny that, um, would be, uh, to deny the truth because, you know, we definitely had some fun, but I will say that, um, towards the end of my drinking, you know, I had, uh, really kind of whittled down myself in such a way that I, 
I was, I, I had really isolated myself a lot. And, um, the only thing that would really bring me out of that isolation was the, you know, the thought that, and it involved alcohol every time, you know, the thought of that, you know, alcohol would be part of the, of the social interaction mm -hmm. would bring me out of isolation. And, um, and sometimes that was even on my insistence, you know? Oh yeah. <laughs> there will be alcohol at this thing. That's a given and, for me. Yeah. Right. And so, um, so, so when I quit drinking, you know, it really made me, um, question all of my relationships. You know, I, I didn't know which ones were built on booze and which ones were not. And, um, or built on a more solid, mm -hmm. you know, foundation than just, um, alcohol. And, um, and, uh, you know, I, I know that they all didn't just write on the surface either, but, you know, I'm still figuring out how deep some of those relationships went, you know? Yeah, I think it's sort of still an uncovering. Yeah, and it will continue. I mean, yeah, it'll continue. I was going to talk um, a little bit about what it was like, you know, when I was drinking too, because I had, I thought all the friends I could ever need. And like you said, a lot of those were me. I was in, I was kind of like an instigator. Like I never showed up anywhere without wine, especially mm -hmm. after we bought our wine bar. That was like my job, you know, was to always mm -hmm. have a wine carrier in my car. Um, my job was to always, you know, people would say, oh, you always show up with the best wines and you're so fun. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you brought this. It made me feel like I was special or, you know, I had this skill set of, I knew a lot about wine, but that mm -hmm. was really just, a, um, a, you know, that was a vehicle for me to, to drink more. Mm -hmm. And, um, I would say that before, like, that was what, well, I'm just thinking of a few certain cases, but that was, that was the background of our friendship. I'm not saying that it was all that it was, but it formed all of these reasons to get together. Mm -hmm. And, I can't help but think of this. Since and then it, all the conversations were mm -hmm. booze-fueled. Yeah. The know. escapades. Uh, right. The silliness. The, the mm -hmm. This weekend, my, my friend's um, husband asked me to share some stories about his wife with his kids. And it was really hard for me to not think about, like, a lot of the stories I had that came up instantly we're all drinking stories oh, and, sure. I, and I didn't really want to share those with the kids so I started sharing them without sharing that part because they don't need to know that right um but then other parties in the room were sharing um were sharing that we were drunk and mm -hmm. I was like it hurt to hear it hurt it hurt me that that was all the memories and it's not, I know that that's not all of it, but it, it made me just kind of take stock of, I want to find a memory that didn't involve us being silly and over the top because my friend was silly and over the top with me, but she didn't have a drinking problem. 
I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that was all me. Um, and she didn't know it for all those years. Even though she was my best friend, she didn't know, you know, that I blacked out. She didn't know how I ended most evenings because I was awake. (laughs) I was in a blackout most of the time. And she just, she didn't understand what that was until I quit drinking. Mm, mm, See that. Yeah, we, um, uh, everyone blacked out. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We would take turns blacking out in my circles. (laughs) And then laugh about it the next day. Right. Laugh it off. It's almost like arrested development a little bit, right? Like when we're drinking like that, like we still think we're in high school or something, even though I didn't really drink in high school or college, but, uh, but it's almost like my younger self, like I can still do this. It's that whole, you can't tell me what to do. Or I'm going to go out with my friends and be silly. That gave me permission. Alcohol gave me permission to kind of be this kind of fun, free flowing, um, friend. I think of friendship differently now, you know, but we can, we can get to that. I just, I just, I was, I, I wanted to stay a little bit more on like what it was like before. I'm sorry. I got off on my, um, talking about, um, my time with her. Um, but I think that, I think I was really generous with my time with, with people and under the guise that I was being a good friend. I picked booze usually. And to hang out with friends instead of like being home with my family. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I'm trying to even compare it to the times where I wasn't drinking um, because I was pregnant, for mm-hmm. instance. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. And um, yeah, there were a couple of obligatory, uh, you know, I, I think you know, I felt like, uh, I didn't really organize them, but, but, you know, friends were being generous enough with me and let's have a movie night and, you know, and we'll eat before, but everyone will be on, you know, on good behavior because you're pregnant. And, um, but there were very few of those, um, outings, right. <laughs> very, very few of those outings. And, um, I'm not saying that that's my friend's fault. That that's, that's, you know, I didn't organize them. I didn't know how to be social mm. without drinking. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know how to do it. I mean, if anything, I'm just calling into play my own actions that, you know, I, uh, I mean, I wouldn't say that I joined um, social situations just so that I could drink, but I it was always expected. That was always it, it, it's they were so intertwined that it's even hard to take apart the two. Well, did you have any sober friends or people that didn't drink in your life? No. Right. No. Yeah. Because why? Mm-hmm. No. 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 <laughs> Not in the cl- my, not in my close circle of friends. No, no me either. Mm-mm. Well, I um, I it would never even occur to me. I didn't give it much thought back then because I was drinking. But when I look back, I was like, I if I did have a friend that didn't drink, I don't know that I stayed connected. 
Oh, no. That was, no. who does that? That's boring. I don't want to hang out with well, them. Well, <laughs> I just didn't know how. I didn't, mm-hmm. like, I honestly, it, it was so enmeshed that I, I wouldn't even know what to do with that kind of friend. Yeah. Well, when I owned the wine shop, I mean, my customers, there's a really blurry line between being a customer and being a friend. And I thought everyone was my friend, right? Um, every one of my customers, I'm not everyone, a lot of my customers became my friends. And I socialized a ton and I entertained and I had people over and I created events. And I did all of this, not solely, but driven mostly by the idea that we would be drinking. And when I sold my wine shop in 2008, I very quickly realized that some of those people were not my true friends. They were my customers. And I just happened to be the person who was serving them. Mm -hmm. Um, But everyone in my life and in my son's life and in our family's life drank. Mm -hmm. There was no one that didn't that didn't drink. Um, and so that has been real. That was really hard once I stopped drinking. Um, mm-hmm. I just didn't have the energy for it because it, all of those friendships had to take a back seat to mm-hmm. my recovery. And I know a few of them have um, really felt that. And mm-hmm. I have yet to really address that, I have to say. Um we are recalibrating our friendships and a few of these friends have reached out and said, when you're ready, you know, we don't have to drink. We can go for tea or lunch or a walk or shopping. Like they're waiting for me. I feel like, but I Mm -hmm. feel like I've changed so much that I'm not sure. I'm not sure. That's all. I'm not sure. It's hard to, yeah, I, I get it. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to make new friends, but it's really hard to rebuild those old, um, relationships. Um, because you know, alcohol was such a factor in them. It's hard to know. I mean, first of all, you feel very vulnerable, Mm -hmm. um, when you're just trying to figure out how to reconnect with a person that you feel like, you know, well, and you know, another thing I was thinking too, you know, I, um, I mean, one of the reasons why many of us drank in social situations was to make ourselves feel a certain way in a social situation, less, um, you know, less anxiety or, I mean, it was just all about trying to make myself feel a certain way so that then maybe Mm -hmm. I would appear a certain way to my friends. And, um, now when I hang out with friends, it's not about me really. (laughs) Like I don't, I I don't spin out in those thoughts anymore. I'm more concerned about the person that I'm interacting with. Right. Yeah. I want to know what they're doing and I want to have a good conversation. And, um, so my whole thoughts about, about, um, community and communication and friendship has completely changed. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. I, Cause you're more present. 
You can be a better listener. You're not just yeah. the Sandra show, like you've said before, right? Yeah. Not the Tammy show. It's, it's right. intentional. It's, um, uh-huh. that's why I think I need, I have to carve out time for it too. It can't, before I was doing all of these get togethers and this, it was so superficial. It was the same conversations. It mm-hmm. was for me. And, um, I, I, told edited versions of my truth all the time I edited it I it's hard I mean I don't want to sound like I was just liar liar pants on fire all the time but I omitted things or I gossiped and most of my time with my friends was spent kind of gossiping and I'm not proud of that maybe that's why I haven't um I know I could do it differently now but I, I I'm just I need to practice you know, I practice with my sister a lot on the phone. We practice being brutally honest and kind too. And, and that she's my friend, my sister, and she's gone through me with me through all of this. And I'm so much closer to her now, um, than I was, than I am to any other friends that I have. So my friendship with her has blossomed. So I practiced on her. I feel like I just haven't known how to practice with a few of the, uh, the friends that I have that are closest to me. Mm-hmm. That's the work that, you know, you can, conti- I will continue to do, I guess. Yeah. Same here. Same here. I'm in, you know, and I, I um, I, uh, yeah, there's some, exactly. I mean, there's some friends that I have been more honest with, uh, than others too. And, um, yeah, it's really hard. It's just, it's hard. It's, it's hard. Well, it's uh, really hard. It's it, really hard because we have to take care of ourselves too, mm-hmm. right? And um, without sound like we have to be selfish a little bit, especially in the beginning. Um, you know, we we have to take care of ourselves. We have to take care of our recovery. Yeah. In the beginning, and 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 then continue that. And so that means, um, you know, that there's some boundaries that you put into place or, um, some rules that you make about, you know, when you answer the phone or what type of engagements that you'll go to and which ones that you'll say no to. Um, um, I have a I have a hard time being around people that are drunk now though, and that includes oh, yeah. friends. That's not just strangers. It's mostly that that was that's hard, um, right? Or not just drunk. Right. Maybe that's too extreme. But just if they're drinking or looping or you see everything's getting elevated, I want to tag out because I can't well, handle that for really, me. And really, at that point, they're drunk. They won't they're not going to register that you've left the party, you know, <laughs> <laughs> not. <laughs> right. I mean, they're, they're, yeah, they're but in a totally different place. I have to say, um, I was super judgy in early sobriety. Like, oh my gosh, I had on my judge pants like all the time. Like they were, I wore them every day because it almost, I had to protect myself. It's what it felt like. I see it's, di- I see it differently now. I've done a, a lot of writing around judgment for my sponsor, but I, it was real easy to look at everyone else and say like, well, I used to be like that. 
Mm-hmm. I used to be able to have, whether it was any extreme, you know, from just casually drinking to, um, to heavy drinking. Like I used to come here and sit and sip and gosh, look how fun that looks. Or, and then I could see the other extreme of the end of the night and the looping and the, just, you know, how that people's eyes just glaze over. Oh yeah. To watch mm-hmm. that happen now with friends, like someone can walk in and just be glowing and beautiful at the beginning of the evening and to kind of see where that ends at the end of the evening. I can see that now. And I feel like I'm judging when I'm observing and that's really not about them. That is all about me. <laughs> Cause right. It's all about me. <laughs> I just keep, I, it reminds me of how I used to be. And I was like, is that what happened to me? Is that what I would do? You know, oh, yeah. I kind of go into that place. So I think when I don't hang out with friends, it's not because of them. It's just because they're remind, they remind me sometimes of me. Mm-hmm. And in a way that I don't feel comfortable accessing sometimes. Mm-hmm. So consequently, I mean, I have, I've, um, I've not been invited to many things in the last two and a half years. People tried in the beginning, but it was so hard for me. And I think I was so awkward at receiving. And I think I, I just don't get invitations anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. And at first it hurt my feelings. But then really, if I was being really honest, I don't want to go. Yeah, no. I don't want to go. (laughs) Yeah. You just kind of want to be invited to the party, right? (laughs) Yeah. True. True. That, that, yes, yes, that's, that's true. But, you know, and then sometimes I think that my friends don't invite me to protect me because they love me and they understand the, the, the path I'm on. You that, know, that's how I feel now. So right? I totally get it. I mean, it's, you know, they know I don't want to go. <laughs> right. And, and so, yeah, they're being kind. They are being kind. Yeah. Same yeah. here. Same here. Like, I know that I could, I mean, we, we just, I, we socialized so much, Sandra, and I felt so um, kind of revved up by all of that when I was drinking, especially near the end of my drinking. I mean, it kicked into high gear the last year of my drinking. And I'm not that person anymore. So, you know, a few of my friendships have remained, um, but they're definitely recalibrated. Mm-hmm. And... They took some working on um, and some hurt feelings, some honesty on their part um, about things I was writing that they didn't agree with, um, kind of telling me a little bit, you know, that wasn't your story. Mm-hmm. And that really hurt because, you know, when you're drinking, you're, you're, you're faking it. <laughs> I felt like such a fake in my life when I was... And of course, people didn't know. You know, when I finally told my very good friend, you know, I do have a problem. I drink the equivalent of 42 drinks a week. And when I said that, finally, they're like, what? But you are so high functioning in this and that and PTA president and blah, blah, blah. doesn't matter. Right. Well, and it also doesn't matter how much you were drinking, really. Right. It's all about how it made you feel. Right. And my behaviors. You know, and that's the that's been the hardest part for me to translate to my friends, um, because a lot of times on the outside, at least in my perspective, our drinking looked the same, you know. Yes. But I was miserable, mm-hmm. and maybe they're not, you know. And that's that's their thing 
to decide, but I was miserable. And so that's the part that I mm. found that's really hard to translate um, when it's time to um, reconnect, you know, with somebody that you spend a lot of time with, even one-on-one drinking together. Um, it's hard to, uh, to uh, translate that feeling, you know, it's like, I know I may have been smiling on the outside, but I was really miserable. I really was. And I woke up miserable the next day, a hundred percent of the time with full of regret. And, um, so, you know, that, that's, that's, that's been the hardest part for me because then it makes both of you have to go back and reflect on, on that relationship that has been like, was that a true friendship or not, Mm -hmm. you know? And, um, so, so that's been, that's been the hardest part to me for me because I never, um, what am I trying to say? I never want, I never want any of my friends to, um, uh, question, their side of the street. <laughs> I'm not making sense well, right hold now. Well, hold on, hold on with that. You're, so you don't? Well, if they want to. Right. If they want to, to visit that. So you, just like you tell that, me all the time, just so you're just modeling a solution. So you're just modeling how you are now to that friend. Mm-hmm. You're not telling them, you know, we drank the same, so... You, be, you better take a look at things, right? Right. right. <laughs> but if I'm being really honest, I thought that in early sobriety. Yeah. I did. Well. And I, I can't, I, I, I mean, I'm, it sounds like I'm dancing around this, but a lot of my friends drank as much as I did. So you're right. Maybe the, the amount doesn't matter, Mm-mm. but it left me with a hole every single day. Sure. Exactly. Me too. That's why I, I, I questioned it every day and that's why I'm sober today. Yeah. Um, so I can't, you know, I can't, um, I'll tell you, it's one of the things that, uh, kept me drinking longer than I really probably wanted to. Even back years ago when I was questioning my drinking is I never wanted to be a mirror um, back to my friends where then they felt like they needed to question their behavior because of what I was choosing to do. Um, because it's your own journey. It's, Mm -hmm. you have to come to the, your own place with your own actions and you're in your own time. And I certainly never wanted to be that mirror. I just Mm -hmm. wanted to say, no, this is what I'm choosing to do. And, and so, you know, in the beginning, I certainly, um, in the beginning of my sobriety, I certainly did, uh, you know, turn down a lot of things, but, and I, I worried about that a lot, a lot. And like I said, I'm telling you, it is one of the things that kept me drinking even, you know, 10 years ago when I questioned my drinking, um, I just, you know, and I, maybe that's being, maybe that's codependence. Maybe I should hit some Alan on me, <laughs> but, 
but I never wanted to um, be that mirror reflecting back to my friends. Mm. Uh, I wanted them to do their thing, you know. Yeah, I, I, I don't. You're, you're, it was making them happy. Then power to you, but uh, I have to be over here and do my thing, and so it um, certainly has. You know, just that part right there has wedged, has put a wedge in between me and um, the friends I've had for years. Mm. Well, so, well, that's the, that's the, that's the trick. So, like, I get, we got to just take care of us, right? You're trying to get sober, live your life. You're not telling, you're not preaching, you're not. Um, what, what do they say in the rooms? Um, attraction, not promotion. Mm-hmm. So I, I get that. But there's also, I don't know. I think I just need to think about this some more because it's what if you have hard. a friend that needs help? <laughs> like I needed help. I mean, when somebody oh, well, now, finally, now, go ahead. Th- well, I'm there. That's the thing. Yeah, that's true. You know? That's true. I you can always- be present. I am always there to take that phone call and I have taken some phone calls Mm -hmm. and I am there. And, but what I try to do again is tell about my, tell my story, Mm -hmm. how I felt, how drinking always made me feel. And if, you know, I presented one thing, it certainly wasn't, it was misunderstood. Mm -hmm. It was certainly not how I felt inside. Okay, I like that, Sandra, because that is, like I said, so I have to say, for the first seven months of my sobriety, I I just hiked with a friend and did um, change my diet a little bit and removed alcohol and did not get any outside help, you know, in terms of um, meetings or any kind of recovery modality. That's when I still had all, so by working the steps for me, I have just changed. I mean, it can't help but not change. So I feel differently than I did in those first seven months when I said I had on the judge pants. Like, they're still in my closet. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not they're not donated. They're not out of my house. Um, and I put them on occasionally. But I do really try to focus on just my recovery. So much so that I think that's why I don't have as many friendships in my life. Because I don't have room for them right now at this phase of my life, you know, at, mm-hmm. at this phase of, oh, what is it? I'm going to sound like a meeting right now, if this phase of my development, right? <laughs> so mm-hmm. I just don't have it. Um, but like you said, I'm here. If someone wants to reach out, I get, I get so many people private messaging me on Facebook. Um, I get many from my local area that reach out to me that I never thought would, you know, I'm surprised by, I don't know why I am, because I shouldn't be, because they're just people, we're all humans, right? But to know that someone else struggles is kind of this really beautiful gift that they're giving you because they're being really honest, and that's got to be really hard. But Mm -hmm. someone reached out to me and suggested a 12-step meeting. I have not done that with anyone, and I'm so grateful for the person that did. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess in general ways in online forums, you can tell your story and that you're kind of suggesting this is what worked for me, but I haven't been bold enough to like go out of my way and contact someone and say, Hey, have you checked out a 12 step meeting? 
I haven't done that in my circle of friends or, or people in my life. I don't know that I'm ready to do that. Mm, I think I might need a little bit more uh, finesse. I'm still working out, you know, I'm not so, I don't have the finesse in that department yet. Yeah, no, I can't say that that's something that I have done either. But then again, you know, like I said before, you know, my, you know, my, my door is always open and, and, and my, you know, and, um, I certainly will give advice if I'm asked, (laughs) trust me. (laughs) You're not St. Sandra. (laughs) Believe me, I will. But then, you know, going back to what you said about underestimating our friends, I I think I do that too. I think I underestimate them. I kind of think they don't want to go have coffee with me, you know, They, they want to, they'd rather be go to a bar and I'm probably selling them short, way short. Mm-hmm. And that's on me. I've, I, I'm certain that I've underestimated many of them. Um, so I take all, any and all, um, blame or, you know, I, I definitely take you own it. all responsibility for the kind of friendships that I currently have. Um, like I said, I'm learning how to be a better friend. Yeah. Just how I'm learning how to be a better human and a better mom and a better wife. I'm learning all of these things. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I certainly didn't wake up on day one of my sobriety and know how to do this right. <laughs> no. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I do, but I will say that, you know, that yes, they all have changed, but, um, some have definitely gotten, you know, more intentional Mm. or, you know, a little more sweeter, um, when we do reconnect. Yeah. I would agree with that. Right. Yeah. I have, yes, I have several. The last, the last, um, so this, this year has just been exceptionally hard for me in the friendship department from losing my friend. And then, when I, when I came back from her memorial and like we started doing this podcast, you know, I found such comfort in your friendship mm-hmm. and that we could kind of, um, and that's kind of what I wanted to talk about just a little bit here about yeah. the friends we've made um, online mm-hmm. and that the new support friends. groups, new friends, I never thought, if you would have told me <laughs> at my age you would have, you know, you'd be communicating with, you know, 500 women in a, in a online group that talks about recovery and sobriety. And no, no, thank you. I don't have yeah, time for well, that. <laughs> and yeah, if somebody would have told me, yeah, you're going to have a pack of brand new friends right. that you have things in common with and that you're all working towards some kind of greater good for yourself individually and collectively, mm-hmm. I would have like scoffed at that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I don't, I'm, I find it interesting in terms of a growth perspective, just that I, that I have the capacity for that now. And I, and mm-hmm. I do because I've made room, mm-hmm. I've removed, you know, some of my behaviors while some of them are still there. A lot of them have gone. And I have this empty space in me that has room for new relationships. 
And I was, I wanted to share, like, I think it's opened me up to, you know, new relationships, but also new ways to form friendships. Mm -hmm. So I stay after the meetings, the 12 step meetings I go to and, um, talk for 10 or 15 minutes with people. What I like about recovery and people that I meet in recovery, almost zero small talk. Mm -hmm. You get to the crux of things. And I don't know if this happens for you at your meetings, but there's no hurt feelings when you're like, I got to go. I don't have time today. Or, oh, yeah, no. or I just walk out, put my chair away and leave and don't say, don't say a word to anybody. Mm-hmm. I love how there's no, uh, I don't know. Expectations. There's not, yeah. It's, there's not as many expectations. That's, that's like a revelation to me, mm-hmm. um, to teach me like mm-hmm. that I had expectations for people or why didn't they wait? Or they left without saying goodbye. And there's all this talk in your brain, right? No, you just mm-hmm. show up with what you got that day. If you're not in the mood to talk to anybody, you leave. If you're in the mood to stay and clean up and talk in the parking lot for 15 minutes or go get coffee after, great. But if somebody asks me to go to coffee and I either don't feel like it or I don't um, have time, I can just tell them that. Mm-hmm. Now, if I can tell they're struggling and they need me, I might quickly reorder my day and shuffle it around and try to be of service. Um, but I like that I can say the truth no matter what to people in recovery. And I've never quite communicated like that in my life. And this is that mm-hmm. that's my teacher. The friendships mm-hmm. in recovery. It's not that they're better or, you know, than my old friendships. It's not that there's no contest, right? Like you have, that's not the point. It's just that I can get cut to the chase and talk about a topic that affects me every single day in a way that I can't talk about that with all my other friends. They would get so tired of it. Mm-hmm. They don't want to hear. <laughs> like my good friend that hiked with me for seven months, that poor woman, <laughs> she heard it all and she was amazing with me. Um, but at some point, I need to talk about that with some strangers in a room and I don't have to talk about it with my husband or my or my friends. I can talk about it there and leave it there so that I can kind of move on. And that's what's been really surprising to me, that, that strangers have become friends mm-hmm. very quickly, you know, very quickly. Um, and a connection is formed. Um, and then the people that I want to meet in real life from that, like you. Mm-hmm. You know, we took it to the next level, Sandra. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Yes, we did. And I mean, seriously, you know, without sounding super mushy, I mean, I really, you know, thank God for you, that you are in my life. And um, for all of the closer friendships that I have made in the last three years, because, um, again, I think I took a lot of things for granted before, you know. Yeah. And, um and, and now I appreciate uh, my friendships a lot more. And then it's just a bonus that, um, you know, that those friendships that I have that now that are new that I have, um, you know, uh, creative commonalities with or, you know, we can talk about projects and dreams and mm-hmm. Um, those kind of things that are just, that are individual and outside of the, the relationship, I, you know, that was my, those are my dream friendships. 
and um and you know all the while always being being able to cut to the chase and and really feeling like you you know somebody yeah because you know there's just i mean once you take the first sip of alcohol that first wall goes up i think and then the they just keep layering on top of each other um that's how it felt like in my you know older the the, my drinking relationships Mm -hmm. and um and so now it's just it's so completely different i think though what you thank you for that I need to remember that I know how to do this. I know how to be a friend now. I am present. You know, I can show up. I'm honest now. Um, And so the friends that I'm hesitant to engage with, I need to give them the same courtesy that I'm giving strangers. I think I don't do that. I'm still making the decisions. Like, they can't handle it. And so I think for me to be more, more, I need to challenge myself to be a little bit more vulnerable with the people in my life um, that I want to keep in my life. I have a handful of friends that I've, I've just not, sh- not revealed myself um, to. And, and I think I'm ready to do that finally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's what I was talking about earlier, you know, that I have probably underestimated many of my older friends, mm-hmm. you know, the friends that I've had for years. Um, because I just, uh, assume they're not, they're not ready for this. <laughs> yeah. That, but, that's pretty uh, grandiose of us, right? Exactly. <laughs> Cause there we are trying to control things. Oh, for sure. Without, I mean, without really thinking that, but, but yeah, since we're breaking it down and talking about it, I think that's what I'm doing too. Um, I, I started to talk about earlier and I lost my train of thought. This year I was intentional the last, um, or the first six months of the year was to do a self-care Friday. And part of my self-care Friday was to reach out to someone that I hadn't seen in a while. Either that was somebody in recovery or just one of my quote unquote regular friendships and to have lunch or to shop or to go get a pedicure or to just go meet them and go thrifting, um, I made an effort every Friday to do that or to go to a bookstore to meet for tea. I had a lot more tea dates this year than I've ever had. And it surprised me how many people were like, sure. Yeah, let's go do that. Mm-hmm. And so I intentionally did that while school was in, while Grady was in school. Friday was the day that I, I did things about like surrounding that. And I think that's when school gets back in, I'm going to try to do that again. Because I, I need to work on my friendships. I've been taking some of them for granted. And Well, and like with everything, it takes action, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. sitting around and, and, and hoping that it's going to change or be different is not, is, is, is magical thinking. Um, <laughs> I'm really good at that. <laughs> me too. <laughs> oh, yes. Me too. Yes. So, yeah, uh, it, it takes action. And so I, I think I'm with you. I'm going to resolve, um, when school starts again to try to reach out to some of those friends whose relationships I miss. I, yeah. I, you know, I miss them and just, 
um, try to be a better friend. And, you know, and if it doesn't, uh, if it doesn't rekindle or whatever, then, you know, then that's okay too. I, you know, but at least I will know that I, that I, that I didn't just let it fizzle out, that I gave it some effort. Yeah, you can show up. Exactly. Show up for it and then see what happens. I'm going to do the same. I've been missing a few very close friends of mine who have been nothing but uh, kind and they're just waiting. I I know they're just waiting because they've said that too. And I have put them off. I'm not sure exactly why. I just haven't made room. It's hard to be vulnerable like that too, mm -hmm. though. I I think I said that earlier, but it really is. It's hard to be like, okay, this is me. I'm sober now and it is not for everyone. Get ready. (laughs) You know? Buckle up. (laughs) Sober Sondrick in the house. (laughs) Uh Teetotaling Tammy. Okay, we got our new little nicknames. I like it. Mm -hmm. People will think that's real cute. Um, There I go, telling them what they're thinking again. I got to stop this. It's like you you come in, you know, with your skin ripped off. (laughs) Yeah. And it's really hard. Yeah. So, you know, I think we can't discount that part. No, you're right. I have to feel safe. I don't think I've felt safe enough um, up until this point. And that's my stuff. My, um, Mm -hmm. it's all me. I haven't been safe enough to know that I'm going to be totally honest. It feels uncomfortable. Some of these friendships in terms of what I used to bring to it and, and, you know, to, to tell somebody, Hey, I wasn't honest. A lot of these times they're probably, I'm worried that they're going to think like, Oh, great. Like, what did you lie to me about? Or what didn't you tell me? Right. What kind of foundation was this friendship even built on? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that I'm, uh, I just can't worry about that too much. I need to, I need to show up how I show up for friends in the recovery community that I do, right. that I talk with those, those new friendships. I hope, I mean, they're going to show me how to be friends again with my, maybe my older friends, you know, the right. friends I've had that's why, yeah, that's why building new things is just so important because it teaches us how yeah. to take that out into real life. And yeah, and now in, I gotta practice in our existing it. life, and then we—it's up to us to take the action and to practice for sure. <sighs> Sandra, all this work all the time. <laughs> I know. All right. I just added to my. I just added Great. to my <laughs> list. <laughs> my word for the year last year was work. This year it's dare. So this seems in line with that. Like I need to, because I think maybe I'm worried that those friendships are going to go away or be different, which they will be. (laughs) Shoot. All right. Thanks, Sandra. (laughs) Thanks for spoiling it for me. Yeah, no, they are. And I just needed to, I needed to shore up myself, I think, before I could do that. Um, although I imagine, no, I don't imagine that's not how it was. I was going to say, I guess I could have done this in early sobriety and they would grow with me. No, I didn't know. You're just barely hanging on in early sobriety. I mean, I was crawling out of bed, putting on whatever was on the ground that had dog hair all over it and grabbing my keys and going to a meeting and just raw, like you said, like just so I wasn't ready to kind of be a good friend to anybody during that time. I was trying to like get my husband to believe me again, that I was telling the truth about things or 
show up and make dinner on time. And, you know, I was just doing so many little tiny things in everyday life that I didn't, I didn't have time to worry about those friendships, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But I feel ready now. Oh, right. And I, I'm, know. I guess I'm glad I we talked about this. I was nervous to talk about it, but it, as I yeah, me too. know, to be seen and heard is good and to, you know, go back and forth with you because I'm not doing it alone. That felt good. Yeah, mm. I agree. So Anything we did else? that hard thing. Yeah, we just, <laughs> thanks, friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I kind of need to breathe it out right now. <laughs> Yeah, I was really nervous to talk about all that. Yeah, same. Mm. Okay. All well, right. shall we shall we move on to our yeah our little unruffled toolbox items for the week? Let's do it. All right. I needed my unruffled toolbox this week. These last ten days, I mm-hmm. I needed it big time. Um, and so the things that I'm listing this week are just some really basic kind of what I did to get me through the last 10 days because the last 10 were very emotional. So my emotional sobriety, I needed to keep in check. Wasn't that I wanted a drink or anything. I just needed to kind of, uh, yeah, to uh, feel good and carve out time for myself. Mm -hmm. So my first thing is um, my morning routine. I have a little, you know, morning routine that I do and it's not super um, regimented because it does change, but like I was traveling this week and I realized from all the togetherness with five teenagers and two other moms, Mm -hmm. I needed alone time. So more than my morning routine was that I just knew I needed to carve out some time to write my gratitude list, have a cup of something hot decaffeinated Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and be alone and quiet for a good two hours. Right. So I you needed just that. had to like be real intentional with that time and, and mm-hmm. stay, stay true to it. I had to throw myself out of bed, even though I was mm-hmm. warm and cozy and it was all quiet. I knew that I needed to go and get up either when I was out on vacation. Um, I went to the cafe across the street, sat looking at the Trinity river. I wrote my lists. Um, slowly the moms would come over. The kids never came over till like 10. So, um, but here at home, I would get up because the house was quiet and I didn't mm-hmm. want to wake anybody up. You know, they're all still sleeping. They're teenagers. Um, but I got my tea and I went out to my studio and did my list, my gratitude list and texted with sober people. I did what I do in the morning. And that really grounded me this week. What I like that. I like that. Okay. Well, um, <clears throat> so... My whole summer's been a little hairy. We've talked about that. I've I kind of I kind of overbooked this summer. Lessons learned, but anyway, um, so uh, you know the last couple of weeks have been pretty high high levels of productivity, and <laughs> with that has come high levels of little medium levels of anxiety Mm -hmm. (laughs) but um so sometimes and I'm not a huge tv watcher not at all I wish I was better at it I wish I was better at sitting down and keeping my body still for an hour every night um and just zoned out on tv I wish I was better at that but I'm I'm learning um and I know that's not everybody's story some people have to (laughs) some people really have to calculate the hours they spend on Netflix but not me um 
but so in anticipation of of what's happening this summer and I'll talk about that in my next uh toolbox item um we have we started watching um it's an AMC series and but they put all the first three seasons up on Netflix it's called Turn Washington's Spies and so um because we uh have been so as a family into Hamilton the musical that has uh, for the past year that has kind of segued into really um trying to get just being super nerdy about um history especially revolutionary war period history and so the series just pushes all the buttons for that because it's about um it's a series about the revolutionary war and uh it's so good so we have sat down as a family and binged the first three seasons and now AMC is finishing up on the fourth season, so we're really waiting for them to put that one up on Netflix as well. And uh, so anyway. What's yeah. it called again? It's called Turn. T-U-R-N. Turn. Washington's Spy. So it's like that's the subtitle. Okay, great. Okay. And it's so good. And actually, because, you know, we fact-checked it a little bit, mm-hmm. it really, I mean, it's a drama obviously there are fictional characters and probably some fictional many fictional scenes but it stays pretty true to uh history which is pretty interesting and um the guys are really oh oof, there's some there's some pretty men <laughs> thank you for that sandra yeah, yeah. i mean ritual can't do it for me all the time so i have to <laughs> I have to yes. branch out Fair warning. All right. You really, if you've never, if you thought you've missed out on, yeah, fantasizing about men in revolutionary attire, mm. well, that's a whole new world. It's <laughs> a whole new world. Well, that's when I used to watch. Um, was it Henry? Uh huh. Henry the Eighth. Um, that was on. What was that show called? Oh, I've lost it. Anyhow, there used to be a show about Henry the Eighth, and it was just all those men were beautiful. I learned a lot about Henry VIII, but I uh-huh. um, definitely turned on the TV to uh, some eye candy too. Oh, eye candy doesn't hurt <laughs> with the family. <laughs> with the family, I know. My my son's totally on to me too, and he like giggles at me like, "Oh, there he is!" <laughs> <laughs> All right, I am gonna watch that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm always looking for a family show too. So like it's, the other, it's yeah i mean the only person that hasn't really gotten into it for obvious reasons is my eight-year-old daughter but every the the three the other three of us are totally into it well you turned me on to stranger things last summer yes and now that that was the last time us as a family got into into a show and so um that was so good that'll be kind of the second season of that will be coming out in october so that's exciting i'm having a party you are. I'm having a Stranger Things party on the night that it I comes out. I won't have a party, but no. I will totally support you with your party. That's Don't go to the party, Barb. Fun. You're not going to have a party? Poor Barb. So. She wants to come to the party. <laughs> Anyhow, that, we'll talk about that another time. Okay, turn okay. Washington's spies. Okay. Yes. Thank you for that. Um, so my second one, um, it's been going on for... I don't know, almost two weeks, but I removed meat from my diet. So chicken, lamb, cow. Um, so not 
fish. I need some fish right now to transition me. Um, but I feel so good. Mm-hmm. My right. skin so can, feels so good. Yeah. And I know I that you're doing a about gluten. it. I've done the same. And yeah, it's been, yeah. Hmm. Don't you feel kind of like clean? Just yes. Body feels kind of clean. Yeah. Okay, Sandra, I'm talking to you right now as you're saying that. And I am watching a herd of cattle. They're running so fast. It must be feeding time. Okay, that's funny. Yeah. They're just, they, cows run fast. I don't know if you know that. Yeah. No, Probably because they're worried about getting eat, eaten. Right. <laughs> but no, these are all, they must be feeding time because the feeding truck goes by and then they, all, they will just bolt. Um, so perfectly timed there. I'm not eating you guys. Actually, these are dairy cows. So I haven't removed, I'm not vegan. I'm not ready for that yet. But I definitely, um, removing meat has been intentional. And there's been a few times um, this week I was offered these beautiful duck confit rolls and at a beautiful restaurant, my friend's restaurant. And I didn't want to be rude. And then I sat there with this like little debate in my head, like if they'd offered you a Manhattan, would you take that? Right. No, yeah. I would not. So mm-hmm. hardly anybody ate these because we had the children with us and they didn't want duck. And, and I just thought, I am not going to worry about anybody's feelings getting hurt. I am not Mm -hmm. eating meat, just like I am not going to drink alcohol. So that helped me with a few instances this week where that came up for me. I almost accidentally ate a piece of pepperoni pizza the other day. I like went to put it it in my mouth. mouth. (laughs) No, it didn't go in. (laughs) I put it up to my mouth and I was about to bite it. And I was like, oh, I can't eat this. I'm just like on autopilot. And they bought me um, um, a margarita pizza. And when they said margarita, I'm like, what? You bought me a margarita? I totally oh, didn't no. understand they were talking about pizza <laughs> because they brought it home from a place where we get pizza a couple towns over. Anyhow, I just, the whole thing was, it's, I'm trying to liken it. So I put it on my phone, on my quit that app. I put how many days that I've quit eating meat because that is kind of how I work. I like kind of that all or nothing um, business. Yeah, and I'm, I'm- I can be the same way. And knowing that I quit booze, I can quit meat. Mm-hmm. Like, I really can. I need to yeah. change some habits and routines. And it's the same thing. I just likened it all to how I quit drinking. So if you quit drinking, I feel like you can do anything. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's true. You kind of just apply the same technique, if that's the case, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I I agree. Yeah, my, my no meat uh has gone very well I don't even I haven't been counting days but it's been a couple of weeks now and so uh I feel I feel great I've had a tiny bit of dairy we had pizza the other night too because Chloe had a sleepover and Mm. there was a oh there was just this delicious like egg roasted eggplant garlic pizza in front of my face and (laughs) I ate some. Had to. There was there right. was minimal cheese on it. I right. didn't care. It was so delicious. Um, but yeah, no meat. So anyway, yeah, we'll see how. I'm not saying that it's forever, but right now I feel great. So I'm gonna keep going. But don't you even think like that statement that you just made is kind of how we approach sobriety too? For sure. That's mm-hmm. what I said. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna do this experiment. Um, I'm not gonna say it's forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's my way in to these types mm-hmm. of things. So I kind of have learned from that and I, uh, yeah, I'm going to keep going with it. So yeah. All right. 
What's your number two? Okay, so my number two is Wanderlust. So, um, summer is coming Sounds to good. an end. <laughs> yeah, summer is coming to an end, and uh, we get to take one more trip next week, and I'm so freaking excited. We are just me and the kids were taking a road trip to Chicago in the car, and we are uh, gonna go see Hamilton. I'm I'm so excited for you. Excited. I just, I can't tell you how much this trip means to me. Some Mm. other people might hear this and think, yeah, yeah, good for you. You're taking a trip, no big deal. But um, it's kind of a big deal because I was, um, I was always the mom who, you know, had real good intentions, but I would often make promises that I couldn't keep. And, uh, so, so yeah, I get to change that story a little bit. Yeah. I worked my butt off this summer because we, um, we just, um, you know, we, we are fine. Uh, we're a family that is totally fine financially. I count, uh, my blessings all the time. And I'm very grateful that we get to live in this great neighborhood. Our kids go to wonderful public schools. My husband has a good job and all of our bills are paid, but, you know, um, there aren't things that, you know, there isn't money laying around for things like Hamilton tickets. Um, There's just not. So I worked my butt off this summer and, um, and I made it happen. I knew you would. Yeah. You You knew you would. I'm glad that you had that. Oh, I knew you would. I didn't. I I really, I did the thing where I set it in my sights yeah. and I used that positive psychology, you know, that sometimes sounds like horseshit, but I was like, we are going, we are going. And I visualized us going mm-hmm. to the show and all the while kept you know, doing the things, you know, working really hard, making sales, you know, not turning down any job offers that I got. And so, um, yeah, so we made it happen. We're going and I can't wait. Sandra, you worked your ass off. I mean, you have been working so hard and isn't that kind of great to have that dangling carrot, right? of, of yeah. Hamilton and to know, like you just said, that you can show up for your kids in a way that you couldn't before. So like by, by making that statement or promise that you delivered. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's so cool. And your is. son is going to freak. He is. He's going to freak. He loves it so much. I know. I know. We are so beside ourselves excited. Yeah. And so, yeah. So we'll be, uh, we're going to hop in the car uh, next Sunday. We've got some really fun stops along the way. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we're just making a big old road trip out of it. It's pretty much mm-hmm. we're going to drive there and drive back, but it's going to be it's going to be fun. And you're going to listen to this Hamilton it. soundtrack the whole way. I'm certain. <laughs> I love it. Certain we will. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited for you for this trip and kind of your end of summer. Hurrah. Yeah, it is the end of summer. Hurrah. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. And uh, number three for me now. Oh, is, yeah, sorry. Um, oh, what did I put? Oh, yeah. Um, 
for me to calm down this week um, and to stay not agitated and all of those things, I've been making a lot of art. I've been out in my studio. I've been sharing my process. I've been communicating with other artists. I've been um, just making marks every single day. And that really grounds me. And I'm in this little creative surge right now, which I think Elizabeth Gilbert talks about, like just riding that surge, like, cause it's going to go away at some point, <laughs> like, like it does. But if you don't grab right. it, right, it's tail, right? Like, and be in it. So right now I'm in it and I have to remember to, st- you know, just keep staying in it, keep making the time. I've been out in my studio sometimes eight, 10 hours a day. I've never do that. I've never done that actually. I'm usually just more of a morning person which that is my best time, but I've been staying and finishing, you know, tweaking my website, um, responding to comments on my blog, trying to get back to people. Um, so that's some creative work that's not as exciting, you know, but necessary. Um, doing some research on how to do things, watching YouTube videos, which I never do. So I think just making art and making space and time for that right now has really helped me stay grounded because it's been, um, it's just been an emotionally charged week. Um, we planted a couple of trees in honor of my friend and put her her yeah, ashes and her remains that. in those trees. And so I knew I needed to kind of front load my feelings. I needed to make time to make art. And that's what I love so much about the creative process and recovery. Like I, that's like what we want to talk about all the time because it, it levels me out. It grounds me and it, um, Makes me feel really good. So I made a lot of art this week. That's so, that's good. Yeah. That's, um, yeah, I love how, like, just the whole, not really having an agenda, but mm-hmm. it just, just uh, keeps you calm and less agitated. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, my, my last one is, and I've, you know, I've, I've, this is one on the list, and it's more than, um, just uh, exercise for me but it's been crazy hot here god I mean this is this is a story of this is the story of living in central Texas but it's been crazy hot we had a day that was 105 um we've had a couple of days that have been like 102 103 and so I've really we've really been taking advantage of swimming in Barton Springs which is our our beautiful spring fed pool that's just right in the middle of Austin. And, um, it's always 68 degrees. Wow. And then if, so it feels like a frigid ice bath (laughs) and even when it's blaring hot, but it feels so good. Like you just have to jump in. Like there's no pansy Mm -hmm. pansying around with it, (laughs) trying to stick your toe in and stuff. You just got to go for it. There's a diving board. You just got to just jump off the diving board and just, just get it over with. And, um, it's literally like ripping off a bandaid. You know, (laughs) it's just the metaphors just would go on and on. You know, if I tried, I don't think I need to. Um, but yeah, you just, I mean, just jumping in and then my husband and I will take turns, you know, like one of us will hang with the kids and the other one will just take off swimming and it's really long like I don't I'm not a swimmer swimmer so I don't know the distance but it's far it seems far to swim to from one end to the other and so just to take off and swim Mm -hmm. in the cold water it's just it feels so good it just it 
it just puts it hits a reset button for me. Oh yeah. And um yeah. So anyway, wonderful swimming in cold water experiences. Um I had a cold water experience kind of like that when we when were on our trip. You accidentally took a swim. <laughs> I accidentally got in the water cuz I don't usually get in the water, but it was 107 ish. Oh, and it was wow. on our trip and Stephanie found a watering hole that she'd heard from one of our river ride ga- river raft guides and had a rope swing, had oh. the most beautiful aquamarine water and the kids jumped off these high rocks. I mean, it scared the hell out of me. Um, but I had to go all in because you couldn't oh, yeah, dip you your toe. To get in. And yeah, I'm yeah. so glad I did. Oh, I'm so I loved it. Too. Oh. I loved it. I, I totally can feel right now. I'm just feeling like how that felt too. Right. It's like, it gives you a muscle memory. Like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, a couple of days would go by and I literally like my body would kind of crave it and miss it. And I would tell my husband, we got to go, we got to go back to Barton Springs. We need to just pack up the car and go. It's one of those things too. It's, it's about it. You know, it takes us once you get parked and stuff, it's about 20 minutes from our house to get down there but you it's one of those things that you can't overthink it you just have mm-hmm. to like throw throw this stuff in the carpet you bathe and sit on let's go yeah yeah just do it oh. yeah awesome. oh good right okay well thanks for talking about friendship yeah. that was good thanks friend <laughs> <laughs> all right until i talk to you again which will probably be you know not too long (laughs) (laughs) see you on the internets okay (laughs) bye bye the unruffled podcast was created and produced by sandra primo and tammy solace our show is edited and mixed by steve hecht original music composed and performed by nmmd original artwork created by tammy with the help of graphic designer chris aguirre thanks for listening (laughs) 